0: Eric already sung this song once in this revival meeting, and uh, I felt like today that he ought to sing it again. It's entitled, I Praise You in the Storm, especially when that sister got up there and got to talking about Jesus, that you know, he's the door, he's the only way, yes. but this is not always an easy way. I brother. It's, uh, it, you know, I, I know Jesus said, you know, uh, take uh, my yoke upon you, right. you know, because uh, cause it's easy, light. I understand that. Now, we, we understand the way of the transgressors is hard, but there's some hard things about serving God. Amen. There Amen. really is. Opposition, hindrances uh, that come, frustrations. I told you about, I might have told you about that Texas kindergarten teacher that uh, one of her students wanted help with his Cowboy boots in Texas, you know, put them on. It's time to go home. And so she started uh, pulling on his boots She understand why he asked for help Said it was all she could do and all he could do them working together To get that little boy's cowboy boots on him little kindergartner, but he just kept sitting there and and She thought well, what's wrong? He said, you know teacher these boots are on the wrong foot and so she Pulled them off, put them on the right foot. She said they was ever a bit as hard to pull off as they was put on in the first place. And got them on the right foot, and he just kept sitting there. And he said, You know, teacher, these ain't even my cowboy boots. <laughs> so she was looking around for his cowboy boots, and he said, They ain't even my cowboy boots. but They're my big brother's, but my mama makes me wear them anyway. She had already pulled them off then, and she's looking around for them, and he told her that. And then so finally she bit her lip, put them back on him, uh, and she's, by then little, she said she was breaking a sweat. She, she was exhausted with this whole episode of these cowboy boots. And so she stood him up, put his coat on, and said, okay, where's your, where's your mittens? He said, I stuffed them in the toes of my boots. <laughs> and I guess the thing that gets us so much is frustration. Has anybody ever been frustrated? Glory <laughs> to God. Frustration, frustration. I guess that's, you know, I guess that's probably a pastor's biggest enemy. Yeah. Let's just get frustrated. It'd be one thing. And when I pastored, I, you know, I love to help people through troubles and trials and tests and get them through a valley. But it seemed like the same people would come back with the same trouble and trial and, and I wouldn't even mind that, you know, if we had to do it once or twice again, but it looks like a person ought to graduate every once in a while. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, you know, I don't mind helping you in troubles, but let's have a new one this yeah. time, you know, a new trouble, a new valley, a new trial. You know, as you graduate every once in a while. Yeah. But frustration, frustration, frustration. But, you know, somebody's got to get that little boy home. Somebody's got to get the boots on him. Yeah. Huh? And I know, I know as a pastor, I've pastored, and now I'm a missionary, and as an evangelist, I've seen the disappointment across the country. Pastors look back over their congregation, people that probably could have been there wasn't there. Seem like people lost interest and, and stuff like that, and that can be frustrating. But I'm telling you, if we'll hold on, we're going to get them boots on that boy after a while. Will somebody wave a hand to heaven and praise the Lord if you just hold on? My, I've enjoyed this singing. I've enjoyed it every night. i tell you, I don't know when I've enjoyed as much of a revival as I have this revival. I just don't know when I have. My family's never heard me say that. But it just seemed like every minute that I've been in church with y'all, it's just been like heaven was here. You know, it's just been... Uh, well, Jesus was here, wasn't he? <laughs> Amen. It, ever, it seemed like everybody that had a song had the song. And everybody had a testimony had the testimony. Glory to God. I mean, it's a shame you had to turn over to that visiting guy, you know, at the end like that and him mess it all up. But other than that, it's just, well, no, be honest with you, I felt good singing and preaching to you all too. I felt, I don't, probably didn't sound very good, but I, I felt good. I felt the Holy Ghost and uh, had a pastor call me today I said man I tell you what these folks are so easy to minister you are easy they're so easy I said they just pull it out of you brother these folks just pull if you can't preach here <laughs> you probably ain't called <laughs> I know I'm going to have to walk over there and, you know, pray, saints, pray, pray. Glory to God. Joy Hyatt, when he getting, you know, getting a thick, he tells his wife, go start the truck. You know, have it ready, warmed up. One time I heard him say, never mind, I'll go start the truck. You come up here and finish this. Glory. But I'll tell you, I feel such a wonderful spirit here. And I suspect that this spirit is here probably all the time. I suspect that. That's what I suspect, you know, I mean, I've had people come to meetings and we got to be careful what we say. You know what? You know, I mean, I know we can't cover all the bases, but we need to try. And I've heard them come visiting our meetings, you know, and visiting this church. And, you know, they don't normally go to and say, I know Jesus is here because I, bless God, I brought him with me. Well, I know what they're saying. <laughs> I've heard them get up and say, there ain't nobody trying to live right. And I thought, well, what am I, a pickle? (laughs) I just thought of a pickle. (laughs) But there is people trying to live right. There is people that are sincere and dedicated and glory to God and and singing the songs of Zion with the anointing of the Holy Ghost. There is people. And I'll tell you what, it's the people that weather the storms. It's the people that lift up holy hands without wrath and without doubting, even though the rains are coming down, and they're maybe going to have to bat their eyes to keep the water out of their eyes, but they're still praising God. I tell you, I believe that's the kind of people I'm around here tonight in this revival meeting. I believe that's the kind of people you all are. Oh, would you lift your hands to heaven and praise the Lord. I mean, I'll tell you, every bit of this has been grand. It's been grand. And, and I guess this meeting just been for me. Don't probably I probably ain't helped nobody in this meeting. I don't know, maybe. You never know. But uh, I know one thing. I've gotten much needed help. And my family has gotten much needed help in this revival. Is it all right to have a meeting where the evangelist or the missionary and his family It's uh, is, is, is that all right? Thank you for your help. And the uh, in w- last night was I mean sister, brother, brother sister Griffey I mean sister Griffey she put enough food that well there just wasn't room for all of us in the food too. <laughs> there wasn't. Amen. Glory God. I was trying to move things around. Some of them some of them was having to be right on the corner and there was so much food there. I'm telling you what they just kept on encouraging me to eat. <laughs> Glory to God. And I tried to oblige him. I really did. I tried to oblige him. It was just we just had a war we laughed and laughed and cut up and well think you ought to be serious. Well well, you know, we were serious about laughing and cutting up and have a good time. I mean, we meant every bit of it, I'm telling you. Huh? merry heart doeth good like a medicine. <laughs> I'm telling you, I mean, I'm having a good time with my brothers and sisters. Woo! I'm having a good time in the house of God. Amen. Oh, yeah, but I've had frustrations before I got here and when I leave. Probably have frustrations. I I may have some in the morning. I don't know. But one thing I do know is if I'll keep praising him, after a while, we're going to walk out of this valley after a while, <laughs> glory to God, you know you know so what if you're having a hard time getting that boy's boots on? Is it Jesus's fault? huh man i huh so what if if you're having a headache and feel like the back of your head's about to come off uh, is that Jesus' fault? Does that make him any less worthy of our praise? Oh, I know I'm preaching to the choir here tonight. I understand that, but just let me, just indulge me, just like y'all did eating last night. Just uh, Does that make him any, isn't he still worthy? If the rains are falling or where the sun's are shining, isn't he still deserving? I tell you, there ain't nobody else deserving. There ain't nobody else do, is due the credit. There ain't nobody, oh, would you wave your hand to heaven?
1: I was sure by now that you would have reached down and wiped our tears away stepped in and saved the day and once again I say amen and it's still raining and as the thunder rolled I barely hear you whisper through the rain I'm with you And as your mercy falls I raise my hands and praise the God who gives And takes away, yeah I'll praise you in this storm and i will lift my hands you are who you are no matter where i am and every tear i've cried you hold in your hands you're ever by my side and though my heart is torn I'll praise you in this storm I remember when I stumbled in the wind You heard my cry to you You raised me up again My strength is almost gone how can I carry on? For I can't find you. And as the thunder roll, I barely hear you whisper through the rain. I'm with you. And as your mercy falls, I raise my hands and praise the God. are who you You are are. no matter where i am every tear i cry
0: you hold
1: in your your hands hands. you're heaven by my side i know my heart is torn i'll praise you in this storm I lift my eyes unto the hills Where doth my help come from My help comes from the Lord Maker of heaven and earth I lift my eyes unto the hills Where doth my help come from My help comes from the Lord Maker of heaven and earth I'll praise you in this storm. And I will lift my hands You are who you are No matter where I am And every tear I've cried You hold in your hands You're ever by my side And though my heart is torn I'll praise you in this storm him <laughs> I lift my eyes unto the hills, where doth my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. I lift my eyes unto the hills, where doth my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. praise you in this storm, and I will lift my hands, you are who you are, no matter where I am, and every tear I've cried, you hold in your hands, you're ever by my side, and though my heart is torn. Praise you in the storm.
0: Oh, come on, let's
1: pray. I lift my eyes unto the hill. Where doth my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. I lift my eyes unto the hills Where doth my help come from? My help comes from the Lord Maker of heaven and of earth. I'll praise you in this storm, and I will lift my hands. You are who you are, no matter where I am, and every tear I cry, you hold in your hand, you ever by my side. Though my heart is told, I'll praise you in this story. Though my heart is told.
0: I, that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I that the bright and morning star would choose the light the way of this ever wandering heart? Not because of who I am But because of what you've done Not because of what I've done But because of who you are I am a flower swiftly fading Here today and gone tomorrow
1: A wave tossed in the ocean A vapor in the wind. Hear me when I'm calling, you catch, catch me, me when, when I'm falling. Calling. You show me who, who
0: I am. I'm yours. Aren't you glad you belong to him? Yeah. Who am I? That those eyes have seen my sin. Will look on me with love. And watch me rise again. Who am I? Let the voice that calm the sea would call out through the rain and calm the storm in me. Not because of who I am, but because of what you've done, not because of what I've done. Cause of who you are I am
1: a flower swiftly fading Here today and gone tomorrow A wave tossed in the ocean A vapor in the wind Still you hear me when I'm calling You catch me when I'm falling
0: You showed me who I am I'm yours After all this good singing tonight I didn't even want to try to sing But I love this second verse yeah. Who am I That those eyes have seen my sin Will look on me with love And watch me rise again Who am I that the voice that calm the sea we call out through the rain and calm the storm in me. Not because of who I am, but because of what you've done, not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. I am. A flower swiftly fading
1: Here today and gone tomorrow A wave tossed in the ocean A vapor in the wind still you Hear me when I'm calling You catch me when I'm falling You show me who I am
0: I'm yours Who shall I fear? Who shall I fear? I'm yours. I'm yours. Who shall I fear? Who shall I fear? I'm yours. I'm yours. Not because of who I am, but because of what you've done. Not because of what I've done, but because of who you are. I am a power swiftly, here today and gone tomorrow. A wave tossed in the ocean, a vapor in the wind hear me when I'm calling. You catch me when I'm calling. You show me who I am. I'm yours. Would you give the Lord a clap offer tonight? God. You love the Lord tonight? Yes. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Oh. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me yes. <laughs> glory to God first Kings the 17th chapter verse number eight thank you for the offer may the Lord bless you for your giving first Kings the 17th chapter verse number eight praise the Lamb of God first Kings 17 and eight appreciate your pastor their family they're just been such a blessing. All this good singing tonight's been blessing these, these uh, new folks here. I know they're kin, but they're new to us. Yeah. Hallelujah! Uh, we appreciated. Uh, we just enjoyed their ministry here tonight. Hallelujah! I'm glad when folks come and add to it. Don't you? Yeah. Huh? Yes. Hallelujah! One thing I always dreaded preaching. I, I loved to preach youth rallies when I was a younger preacher. Youth camps, stuff like that where churches come together. But I never have, like, preaching monthly, a monthly fellowship meeting. Just a fellowship meeting. Because there's too many people there just because they're paying back the fellowship, you know. and yeah. Stuff like that. It ain't that way always, but, you know, it's that way a lot. <laughs> and so what happens is they, they're just a drain on you. They're just a drain. But these folks come to help. They brought something with them. Hey man, oh yeah, that woman with the alabaster box. She didn't just happen in on church. She had a plan to participate in the church service. First Kings the seventeenth chapter. I know you're standing. It may keep you from falling asleep. Might or just stay stand the whole time of it. First Kings the seventeenth chapter, verse number eight. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise and get thee the Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So he rose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water and a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thine hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, he, he, I have not a cake. But a handful of meal, and a barrel, and a little oil, and a cruise. Behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and for my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, and go, and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and not for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, Neither shall the crews of all fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not. Neither did the crews of all fail according to the word of the Lord which he spake by Elijah. You may be seated if you wish. Praise the Lamb of God. Ah, glory to God. I'd like to preach with the help of the Lord tonight on scraping the bottom of the barrel. Scraping the bottom of the barrel. Uh, I suppose you that are familiar with the Old Testament, and particularly this passage of Scripture, would understand why that a title like that or a subject like that would fit the narrative of this text. But even for people that, have no idea what First Kings, the 17th chapter, is about whatsoever. I think everybody, at least here you know, in our vernacular, understand uh, the metaphor when we say we're scraping the bottom of the barrel. There's other ways to say that. Uh, come to the end of our rope. Uh, we've done all that we can do. Or, or maybe a more modern phrase, we become burnt out. Now I remember when that phrase first showed up and some of our old-time preachers preached against that. Bless God, there ain't no such thing as being burned out and and their intentions were good, but they were wrong. There is a real thing where you just become burnt out. Are you hearing me? Just burn out. I remember, you know, when we first went out west to preach a meeting there in Montana, we uh, the folks that was asking us to come. We were pastoring in George at the time, so we went through Yellowstone. And on the northwestern corner of Yellowstone, they'd had a terrible fire uh, several years before that, and they told us that there would nothing ever grow here because it was burnt out so, it was, the fire got so hot that the ground had become sterile. And nothing else will ever grow here in this place. Amen. And I want you to sort of keep a bookmarker on that story because there's more to that story. But we must face the facts and be real. And we can make all kinds of claims if we want to. But we've all come to the place where we recognize that telltale sign of the scraping of our instrument at the bottom of the barrel of whatever it is. Uh, we've run out of ideas. We've run out of energy. We even at times run out of encouragement and even sometimes even run out of faith. And I think we all, if you're trying it on, I believe I'm preaching to a group of people that are trying, there, there are times in our life when we face desperate situations. Situations where we find our resources and our strength and even our health and even our friends have been depleted. Sometimes we, like the prophet, find ourselves scraping the bottom of the barrel of our lives. Now, why does God allow that? Why does God allow us to get into the barrel scraping business, if it were? Why does the Lord allow the the barrels of our life to reach rock bottom? We're, We're depleted. Where we're desperate, where we're discouraged, where, de- where we're depressed. Well, Christians shouldn't be depressed. Well, there's a whole lot of things that we probably shouldn't be, but there's a whole lot of things that we are, whether we should be or not. And I'm not saying it's the way that it ought to be, but more and more people are admitting to me that they are fighting depression and discouragement. And the person will tell you that they've never been discouraged. We need to, you know, like we uh, back when we used to have to shoot overdraws on them bows to get any speed out of them. And them bows would just about fall apart. And when we get it tuned up, paper tuned just right, and when we get the sight side in just right, we had a saying, okay, where's that vat of super glue? We need to dip this whole thing in super glue because we knew it would rattle loose after a while and the whole thing would be out of kilter. They're doing a lot better with that kind of stuff right now. But our bodies are still the same. Our psyches are still the same. Our emotions are still the same. Would you wave your hand to heaven? heaven, and there, we're finding ourselves more and more having to admit. And so this is where our faithful prophet is. But in his life, I see that the Lord is about to do a change in his life. There's a, a position change coming to one Elijah. He's been there at Cherith for a while now. But one morning he woke up and he said, there's something odd about it. There's just something odd. What's going on here? And he looked around to see what's odd. There's something, there's something not right this morning. And what it was is that it was too quiet. You see, he was camped out right by the brook of Cherith, and he was used to waking up and hearing the song of the water as it would fall over the rocks and the stream, that stream go bubbling, cascading by him. But it was too eerily quiet. And so he looks over and he sees that his brook has dried up. The drips had ceased. And it's just a mud pool. And after a while that's going to dry up. And the land's going to be barren. And the land's going to be cracked. Have you ever been like that? Have you ever been to the brook? And that thing that the Lord had sent you to. That place where he had blessed you. That place where he had put you. Will somebody shout amen? Hallelujah. You know, I've got, you know, Brother Collins was very good to me. He had the theory that if you were a preacher, you needed to preach. So he was, made he made sure that I got to preach in a regular service once a week. If I didn't get to preach Wednesday night, then he I took his place on Sunday morning. Because he felt like, especially a young preacher that I was, needed that experience, preaching. Needed that, needed that. And I know we're living in a day where people don't want to bear the burden of developing our young preachers. Are you hearing me? Glory to God. But there was a pastor that I know that he went to another church where I preached many revivals. And and I was there in revival while this other pastor, you know, he had resigned his church and went there. And uh, then I came back the next year to preach another revival at the same church. And that pastor was gone. And I said, what happened to so-and-so? He said, well, he left me. He went down the road, matter of fact, to his brother's church. It's all the way across town, you know, plenty of room between them. But he went down the road. I said, well, why did he leave? If my, or You don't have to tell me. He said, I don't mind telling you. He said, I didn't preach him enough. He said, I didn't get to preach enough, he said. And, uh, <laughs> and I said, well, how often did he get to preach? Well, I got him in there every other month at least. I told, and this guy's my friend too, and I said, I don't blame him. I would have left you too. But there's two ways to look at that sometimes I believe God has dealt with pastors not to preach a preacher so much to sort of stir up his nest to dry up his brook to make him get out and beat the hedges himself and so I've seen it both ways and sometimes even our brook dries up because God's got something better in mind will somebody shout amen woo I feel the Holy Ghost amen and I don't care where you come from even Paul said wherefore taken to you the whole armor of God that you may be withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. I'm telling you friend there comes a time in our life where our brook dries up. That thing that used to bless us. That thing that used to float our boats. That thing that used to make our stomachs go flip flop. It don't do it no more. It don't do us for it no more. Amen. What are you going to do? We got to hear from heaven. Amen. And I believe that God hasn't left us. I said he hasn't left us and so what's next? What's next? Elijah just scraping the bottom of the barrel if you please he has done exactly what God has asked him to do I mean all along the way if you follow his tracks up till now he has done everything God had asked him and it's pretty miraculous of the journey that he had taken and now he's here at the brook Cherith and now it's dried up. What in the world am I gonna do? Well, I'm glad that the Bible says in verse number nine that the word of the Lord came unto him. (laughs) Glory to God. I'm telling you, God's still speaking. (sighs) The question is, am I still listening but God's still speaking. Now, when your brook dries up, you just can't just sort of flip a coin and said, well I'll go this way or that way or go eeny meeny miny mo and just go any which way no I mean you'd be better just to stand right there just stand right there but listen listen God's still giving directions God's still giving command and that's exactly what he did to this prophet hey friend we got to be in God's will did you know that and do you know how to know God's will get on your knees get in his word God's still speaking or somebody's out, amen. Churches have become weak and wimpy and wobbly and wayward simply because they have wandered away from the Word of God, huh? And the Word came to Elijah and said, I want you to arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Zidon, and dwell there. And behold, I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. Oh, my goodness. Now, I suppose that the prophet could have stayed right there at that dried up brook. Has anybody ever read any Dickens? You ever remember Mrs. Habershath? Mrs. Mrs. Habershath was a woman that on the eve of her wedding that her groom called it off. And she was so distraught, it so affected her that she wouldn't let anybody touch her wedding dress until it became moth eaten and rotten. She wouldn't let anybody remove the wedding cake until it started stinking. Are you hearing me? And from that day forward Mrs. Habersath was marked. Uh, she was tattooed, if you will. She was marked, she would be known and associated with that disappointment in her life. You can stay right there if you want to. You can stay right there at that dried up brook. You can let that disappointment and that problem and that setback and that hurt and that bitterness, you can let it mark you for the rest of your life or you can obey the word of the Lord and you can arise, praise the Lamb of God, and you can go to Zarephath here in me, we've all had problems, we've all had setbacks, we've all been hurt, everybody's been hurt, we've all had things happen to us, we've all had losses, but praise the Lamb of God. We don't have to be the, you know, you're probably thinking of people right now, a sister or a brother that's had a tragedy happen in their life, and from that day forward, that's what they've been known for. That's what that, that's been there. But you know, you associate them every time you think of them and their face comes to mind, you think of the tragedy that they were through. But your life don't have to be like that. We can rise above our tragedies. We can rise above our losses. We can rise above these problems and these disappointments. We don't have to let the hurt and the problems and the disappointments that's come in our life mark us and identify us for the rest of our lives. We can rise. Amen. You can stay there if you want to. You can stay there by the pool, sir, another 30 years. You can spend another 40 years in that wilderness if you want to. But the word of the Lord still speaking to his people. I pastored, and I'll tell you the church, and I'll tell you the people's name. Because if they's here, I'd preach the same thing. I pastored in Germantown, Ohio. And uh, the pastor now is is Bruce McGuire. And I was a pastor there when he started preaching. I was preaching a meeting down in Alabama, and I got a call that their little girl, Taryn, three years old, had uh, contracted neuroblastoma, a very aggressive form of tumorous cancer. And it was around her aorta. Of course, when we came home, precious little Taryn, um, she sat in Sister Blanton, Tammy, her mother, Sister McGuire was our piano player, so Sister Blanton held Taryn and spent a lot of time with Taryn. It was just a, one of the most helpless situations I'd ever been in. I knew God was going to heal her, but he didn't like I thought he would. He healed her with heaven, which that's greater And all those things that happened. But I'll tell you, when I preached, I don't know if you've ever been to Germantown, but it's a pretty big, good-sized sanctuary. I preached the funeral, and it was packed. And I don't mean sitting like this row is here. I mean shoulder to shoulder, and you could see people crunched up, and set cheers out. We had a lot of people there. And nobody come down the altar that day and prayed, preaching Taryn McGuire's funeral. But that weekend, a couple came. David and Tracy Watson, they came. And it's because of that funeral, because of the stories that were told and the songs and the preaching that they came that weekend and they, God gloriously saved them. Are you hearing me? <laughs> Glory to God. Now while all this is going on, Bruce and Tammy don't feel no better about it because of that. And you say, well, they should have. Well, I'll just let that be to you. But I don't know what they're going through. I don't. I mean, there'll be times at night that Bruce would call me up, and I could hear Tammy in the background screaming, I want my baby. I want my little girl. Oh, I'm telling you, it was tough. I mean, to walk out of that hospital room with Bruce under one arm and Tammy, I don't normally do that, but I did it this time, and Tammy under the other arm. Without little Taryn was one of the most saddest times in my whole life. But I was there when Bruce got up and said, God didn't heal my baby like I thought he would, but he's still a healer. I was there when Tammy rose up off the piano and grabbed the tambourine like Miriam and started shouting. Somebody shout amen. Well, let me, I got a little bit. So anyway, uh, Tracy and David Watson started coming to church. God gloriously saved them. It's a wonderful thing. And they got expecting a child. And that uh, the child, she miscarried pretty late in her pregnancy. And that's a terrible thing. And so I preached that funeral, but it was weeks, and weeks turned into months that Tracy would come to church down. She was just so discouraged. Months went on, war on, and war on, and war on. And I don't normally do this. I can't believe I did it, but she came up to me years later and said, Brother Blanton, you remember that night when you looked at me and told me to get over it? And I said, no, I don't remember that night. Well, you sure did, and I, th- I was about ready to apologize. You know, I was just young, you know, just didn't have any better sense and been around LL Collins too much or something, you know. I was gonna have a real good excuse for saying something stupid, like telling somebody that I lost a baby to get over it. But she said that's exactly she said, I want to thank you for that, because that's exactly what I needed. Oh, you hearing me? That's exactly what I needed to hear. Whoa, she he said it's made a difference since then they've had two children. but oh, you hear me? Oh yes. Oh, I want you to understand. You can stay right there if you want to. I said you can stay right there if you want to or you can get up. You can arise. You can stay there as zigzag as David. And the men talking about stoning him but he doesn't stay there. I can see him as he rises up out of the rubble and the smoke and the ashes and he shakes himself off and the Bible said that he encouraged him In the Lord, will somebody lift the hand to heaven? Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, hallelujah, amen. I mean, we've all failed the Lord, haven't we? I I, I think I told you about Ellen. The autistic girl in Pennsylvania, Brother uh, Massey had gotten saved under me in Kentucky, and that hippie came as when I was a young preacher, and he was real young, and God gloriously saved him, called him to preach, married a Florida girl that could sing like a mockingbird and play play anything, and uh, and they start pastoring in Pennsylvania. And, of course, he wanted the old evangelist. He got saved and I'd come preach a revival. So for every year, we'd spend Thanksgiving with him, preach a revival. His folks would come up from Kentucky. We just had time. Well, he called me one time and said he's going to leave the church there. And I'm sorry to hear that. But I understood. Sometimes God moves you. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Glory to God. Yeah. And uh, so he said, won't you come and take this church? And I knew it wasn't God's will for me to take that church. I said no, brother. It didn't go. He said, well, "Won't you come and just sort of oversee it and help them get a pastor?" Now I'd done that before, and I sort of felt like maybe I ought to do that. So I went up there, and started trying to take care of the church, try to find them a, a good pastor that'd stay there with them and, and help them. And there, the church secretary has a, a a young daughter. Well, she's about Eric's age, and she. Uh, has autism. And I don't know if you've dealt with autism very much. I never had. But God gave me favor with Ellen. I mean, gave me favor with her. I mean, it's, it's horrible. I guess there's different severities of it, but Ellen was very severe, but she could talk to you. And she, she you know, she could function, but there'd be times she'd come to church and hold bald places in her head where she had pulled her hair out of her head. She come where she would be black and blue, where she had punched herself, and that's that's just man, it's an awful thing. But God give me favor with her, and it's to where we got to sing in duets together, <laughs> and I get my guitar right down here in front. And it's a it's big, beautiful, you know, tall ceiling, stained glass windows, you know, and it's a and we get down there, and Ellen would want to sing, but she wasn't satisfied with just singing. She wanted to kick her leg, like them. Who are they? The Rockettes. She wanted to kick her leg. Now, y'all criticize if you want to. But this is Ellen we're talking about. Well, that's okay. I look, you know, go ahead, Ellen, kick your leg. You know, just kick your leg. I mean, you know. And, and so, but she wasn't satisfied with that either. She wanted me to kick my leg. I said, Ellen, I'm going to stop her. I'll play the guitar. I'm busy right here. I'll play guitar. You kick your leg and we'll sing. <laughs> Amen. And so she kicked her leg. God gave me favor. But I remember one night we had a visitor come in, and I'd never seen him before, a young man. And I tell you what, it just seemed like my heart went out to him, and he just acted like he was eating the whole service up. I don't know if he'd ever been in church before, but he was eating it up, and he hung around after service. And uh, so Ellen's mom had... Uh, was back there doing what church secretaries do. I don't know what church secretaries do, but it must be important, you know. And a lot of times, you know, they sign a check, you know, and stuff. And so I like that. So I like church secretaries. But uh, anyway, she's back there, and and this fellow was back in the foyer, and he pulled out a candy bar, and he peeled it like a banana, and, and was going to start eating it. Ellen seen that. She's a big old gal, and she went right over to, "Could you act like you're holding a candy bar, brother?" And, and she got to looking at it. And that made that guy uncomfortable. So he said, would you like some? Well, she just pulled the whole thing out of the, he, and there he was standing with the wrapper still in his hand. <laughs> and so mama comes back, and you know, the church secretary comes back, and she sees chocolate all over Ellen's face and her hands. And she looks over and says, you sat down too much. And she sees that guy holding that candy bar wrapper, and he just <laughs> wondered, what has happened to me? <laughs> And it's so embarrassed, Ellen's mother, that she started apologizing. She started scolding Ellen. Ellen, I can't believe you did that. You took that ma- Ellen, you didn't do it. You took that man's candy bar. Ellen, you. Ellen just got real contrite. And she said, Mommy, I'm sorry. Her math wasn't enough for Mama. Mama said, But Ellen. Brother Blanton, it's probably embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. Your father's embarrassed. The church is embarrassed. This man was a guest. He was our special guest here tonight. And you took his candy bar. And she said, Mommy, I'm sorry. And Mama just went on and But Ellen, I can't believe you would do something like that. And finally, Ellen said, Mommy, it's over. It's over. <laughs> but Ellen, I can't believe you did it. Mommy, it's over. But Ellen, I can't mommy, it's over. I feel the Holy Ghost. You can sit down with your candy bar wiper, brother. Are you hearing me? I mean, there comes a time you gotta bury some things, don't you? And she had a concept of of being made whole. She had a concept of completeness. She had the proper concept of forgiveness. You know, the reason why some people can't forgive somebody that's done them wrong is because their concept of forgiveness has been messed up. And really, if you was really to get down deep, in their heart, they wouldn't admit it, but if you really knew what was going on, they don't really believe God's forgiving them. And that's the reason why they're having a hard time forgiving others. But if we ever get a hold of that concept, Alan thought, I apologize, so it's got to be over. That's the proper. She's got all, she's got, what is it? What's it called? What's the disease called? I said it a while ago. Autism, she's got autism. But I'm telling you what, She's a, she was the best theologian in the place that night. Woo, it's over. It's over. Arise. arise, 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 arise. Put it behind you, preacher. Put it behind you, saint of God. It's over, would you wave your hand to heaven? Did you notice that God revealed his will one step at a time to this prophet? Huh? He was told to go to to Cherith in the first place. Now he's being told to go to Zarephath. You know, that's the way God, usually, you know, God's will it's like driving at night. The great given in the universe is not light. The great given is darkness. God said, let there be light. Why? Because there wasn't no light. Right. There was darkness. That's the great given. That has to be the greatest soon. I mean, when we get that celestial city, somebody said, we won't need no light. Yeah, we will. But we'll have a good one. <laughs> we'll have the best light. Jesus will be the light of that city. Now, why would we need light? Because the given in the universe is black. It's dark. That's the reason why we need a light. And when you're traveling down this road to Christianity, it's like driving at night. And those headlights even on high beam, they, they don't shy very far. You can't see the uh, panoramic view or the horizon. No, you can just see far enough down the road that you can proceed with safety. Will somebody shout amen? Matter of fact, don't you know that life is better a mystery? If we knew everything that was gonna happen in our life from here, from the cradle to the grave, we probably wouldn't be able to stand it. We probably wouldn't be able to handle it. So God in his wisdom He even gives us his will one step at a time. Somebody shout amen. You know why he does that? Because you can handle it one step at a time. Did I tell you about that parrot? That parrot that he did, uh, his only qualification, the only job he could do is say one at a time, please. One at a time. So this department store owner, back in the days when they had revolving doors, he got this idea. He built a little perch for Mr. Parrot right in the doorway to tell the people and remind them one at a time through those revolving doors. One at a time, please. One at a time. That's all he could do. He'd say one at a time. Well, the department store owner got also. He got a fringe benefit from it because people started coming to the department store as much to see that parrot and buy things as they would to come there and buy things in the first place. And so he, that parrot became valuable to him. Well, after a while, that one day, parrot got missing. And he looked high and low. Man, I got to find my parrot he didn't look very long and he found him across the street in the city park just across the street and he'd gotten into a hornet's nest and there he laid beneath that hornet's nest on the ground and those hornets was giving him what for, y'all talk like that around here, I mean they was like, giving him what for, you know what Mr. Parrot was saying, one at a time please, one at a time one at a time please one at a time I mean just about anybody can take one step at a time. Are you hearing me? Oh, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Not next week and not next month. Not next year. What do you want me to do tonight in this service? That's how God deals with his people. Oh, I said, that's how God deals with his people. Would you wave your hands? He said, arise. I want you to go to Zarephath. Now, sometimes... God asked us to do something hard, it ain't easy. I'm glad y'all sung that song. Zarephath was a little over 100 miles away. The preacher was going to have to do it on foot. He's going to have to do it in a time of famine. He, he was going to have to do it in a time where he was a wanted man by Ahab and Jezebel and that bunch. He was a wanted man. I mean, and so he was going to have to leave the brook and he was going to have to chance. And besides that, the route going to Zarephath was taken right by Zidon. You know what Zidon was? That was Jezebel's hometown. That's where Ethbel lived. He was the leader of the worshipers of Baal. And you all know that story, don't you? So God was was asking him to take an arduous journey. Has anybody got tired in this revival meeting? Huh? I have. Hey I'm wore plum slap out. Huh? Y'all talk like that. Hey man, down Alabama they say they's gonna cut, cut on the lights. I said, well, I've heard of cutting off the lights, but I didn't hear it cut on the lights. You hear all kinds of things, you know. And they say, well, at or dark, we'll cut on the lights. At or dark. But anyway, hey, man, I'm, I'm plum slap worn out. And you hear me here tonight. Amen. <laughs> he was going to ask her to ask him to to travel a hundred miles and go right into the backyard of the enemy. But you know what Elijah did? It didn't matter what it was. Elijah did it. He rose and he headed towards Zarephath. Will somebody shout, "Amen"? Oh yeah, brother. Hey, man, Brother Curtis there, he, he, he told about how that the Lord, I talked to you about how the Lord had dealt with him about wearing blue jeans in church. You got blue jeans on? Anybody got blue jeans on? I'm not preaching against wearing blue jeans to church. Uh, you shouldn't wear them. Skirts is all right, but. <laughs> and if this brother had blue jeans and cowboy boots on, I wouldn't think nothing of it, but God didn't want Brother Curtis to wear blue jeans to church. And Brother Curtis got to complaining. He lives in Montana. He said, Lord, I mean, this is Montana. Why in the world would you not want me to wear blue jeans? It doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? You know what God told him? He said, does it matter? Brother Curtis, you got to know him. He said, no, Lord, it doesn't matter. If you say it, I'll do it. Somebody shout amen. Now, don't you all leave here saying the preacher's preaching against blue jeans. I've preached in blue jeans. I really have, and I probably will next month in an outdoor meeting, probably preaching cowboy boots and je- blue jeans, and if they'll let me buy with I'll wear my cowboy hat. But I, I want you to understand this here tonight it doesn't matter oh god knows what's best i feel the holy ghost now it's a long journey on foot 100 miles been a long time since i've walked 100 miles (laughs) already god amen i'm thinking about starting tomorrow and i'll probably you know get there sometime maybe before I die. I'd probably roll. Would you push me? If I'll, I'll just roll, lay down. But but, but, but uh, he, on that trip, he probably got to think about what the Lord said. Well, I'm, I'm going to do this. It's hard. I know God. He's always taking care of me. Now, what's that he said? Go to Zarephath. He's commanded a widow woman there to sustain me. man, Now, I'm sure, you know, there ain't too many in these parts. Most of the widow women around here, they're dying. They ain't got nobody to provide for them, but this must be a rich widow woman. And she's going to meet me at the gate there with her entourage, with her men servants and maid servants. And they're going to escort me to her palatial estate and show me the guest room where I can wash up and then go to the banquet that she has waiting for me down there hardly ever does god move the way that i thought imagined in my mind that he was going to move sometimes but most time never and you know when elijah got to zarephath you know the one the only widow woman he saw was one that was picking up sticks now most likely if you see a widow woman picking up sticks she's the former kind and not the latter kind Huh? She's probably not a rich widow woman. Can somebody shout, Amen? Woo! Somebody shout glory. I mean, but friend, don't ever despise small people. Huh? I said, don't ever despise small people. Glory to God. I like what Brother Collins said when he preached my first revival. He preached me a revival there at Germantown. He said, it just goes to show you. Always be good to the little guy because you might have to preach his meeting after a while. (laughs) Don't ever despise little things and little people because you would be amazed. Amen, what God can do with little people. Huh? I mean, that one fella, you know, this after World War II, they said it was a common sight to see soldiers where they had dropped off in the ports to hitchhike the rest of the way home. It's a common sight to see soldiers hitchhiking. A lot of people pick them up. There's this one guy, this one soldier, he'd come home, he'd hitchhike to home only to find out that his mama was dying. She had a liver disease or kidney disease, one of think things liver, and the only hope that she could have is to have a blood transfusion a blood transfusion and the problem was is that, that her blood was rare I believe it is AB negative was her blood and she and nobody in the family had it back then you know the the uh, blood banks weren't, you know, as good as they are now, and even now it's a rare, I, b- I believe it's a rare blood type, and so there was no hope. And so he had gotten home, and, and they had a car, and he went to the hospital. He's on his way f- home from the hospital, and there was another soldier hitchhiking, like he had hitchhiked home. And he said, "You know, I really need to stop and pick this soldier up, but I've got too much trouble. I need to go on." But a voice spoke to him, said, "Stop and pick him up." So he picked up the soldier. The soldier could see. that That the other guy was crying. He said, would you mind me asking what's wrong? He said, well, I just got home just, you know, just uh, uh, yesterday, and I found out my mama's dying. And she needs, a, the, the doctor says she won't make it through the night without a blood transfusion. And the only problem is none of us has her type of blood. <laughs> Are you hearing me? And that soldier, all she remembers is that dog tag that that hitchhiker had put in front of his face. He don't remember the, his name. He just seen A being negative. He said, do you mind if we turn around? And go back to the hospital and visit your mama. She lived forty-five more years after that. Are you hearing me? That little woman may be picking up sticks, but if God has given her the resources to sustain you, you I'm telling you, don't don't despise it. I said, don't despise it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. God's always on time. Yeah. When Abraham was getting ready to sacrifice Isaac, just in time, God stayed his hand It showed him a, a ram with his horns caught in a brush. How long do you think it'd take for a fellow to burn up in a furnace that's been heated up seven times hotter than it ever been heated up? And the people that threw you in there died of the extreme heat themselves. And they did wasn't even in it. But just in time, there was a fourth man in the fire. Will somebody shout glory? <laughs> Those lions, they would starve them so much. And in Daniel's case, later on, when they would throw the guys at that framed him when they when they started to throw them in them lions didn't even wait they jumped up and grabbed them and pulled them down so then when they put, had put Daniel in there them lions were starving to death how long you think it'd take for a den of lions to eat a little skinny old praying preacher like Daniel it wouldn't take them very long but just in time there was an angel who stopped the mouths of the lions somebody shout amen woo Oh, glory to God. Amen. How long would it take you to, to drown in the in the sea during a hurricane? It probably wouldn't take very long for most of us to drown. But when Jonah was cast overboard, just in time, God had prepared a great fish to come and to carry him away. Oh, yes. Amen. On the eve of Peter's execution, they had slain James, the brother of the Lord, with a sword. Amen. And they was probably going to do the same thing. Thing with Peter but they was praying at John Mark's mother's house and they prayed that the Lord would help Peter he, Amen. and the angel came in there on the night before the execution into the inner prison and brought him out and liberated him on the night before the execution of Mordecai there in Haman's court ah, the night before there was a sleepless king that couldn't sleep that night so he called for a scribe bring me something to read and he got to reading about an event that had happened in his life even where there were some fellas that was going to kill him but this fellow by the name of Mordecai amen and rung the bell on him and blowed the whistle are you hearing me but he'd never been rewarded but the next day instead of being hanged Mordecai was rewarded will somebody raise a hand to heaven and praise the Lord Woo! amen Jesus, is, uh, Jesus would be told by Lazarus sister Lord you're late Uh, and Jesus would say I am the resurrection not only was I the resurrection not only will I be the resurrection but I am the resurrection and the life would you raise your hands to heaven hallelujah Hallelujah. glory to God hallelujah our problem is sometimes we just don't want to let go of the reins Preached revival, several revivals for Brother Mike Metzger. And he'd take us horseback riding in the Bitterroot wilderness. Wilderness, grizzly bears. Wilderness. Take us up there in August after revival's over. And we go fishing, snow up there on the 1st of August. Beautiful. But, man, I tell you, the trip there was a little hairy. Huh? He always let me ride Jackson. Jackson was the horse that the, those firefighters would come and borrow when it was really rough because Jackson was so sure-footed and he was so strong, strong. wonder why they put me on the strong one. And we came to a hairy place. It was a narrow place, solid granite, not just boulders, but it looked like somebody poured it, melted it and poured it out. And it was a little damp. And those horses had metal horseshoes. And to me, that didn't mix. And I was scared. I pulled my boots out of the stirrups just where I was barely in the stirrups because if Jackson went over, I was bailing off. You know what Brother Mesker told me? Jackson had power steering. In other words, he was neck, neck reined. I mean, you didn't have to tug him to go this way, that way. Just lay that. Rain across his neck. He'd turn. Just lay it on this other side. He'd turn. You pull back on, instead of rearing up, he'd back up. Pretty good horse. Pretty good horse. And Brother Mesker said, the best thing you can do, Brother Blanton, is lay the rain right down. Let go of the rain. Man, that ain't easy, is it? That isn't easy, is it, church? To let go of the rain. Hallelujah you know why he wanted me to let go of the rain because i might do something to mess that's right because he said jackson knows how to get through this oh my god in heaven and whatever you're going to whatever you're whatever you're facing i feel like telling somebody (laughs) glory to god i was in citronelle alabama and i seen that car that it was smashed in on the side. I went around the other side. I smashed in there. the The roof was smashed in. It was. I looked around the front. It had been wrecked in the front. When I looked around the back. It had been wrecked in the back. When I got around the back, it had a bumper sticker that said, "Jesus is my co-pilot. and I thought, "Man, you ought to let him drive." <laughs> <laughs> You ought to let him be the pilot. God knows exactly what he's doing. You may be confused, but he's never been confused. I said he never been confused. And you may be going through something, but you ought to praise God. You know why? Because God always grinds the axes that he intends to use. I feel the Holy Ghost. Hey, if you're going through something, you ought to say, well, thank God, God's gonna use me, because he always grinds the axes that he intends to use. I feel the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. God's God's refining you. He's developing you. You may be in a dark room right now, but back before they was, when they used to burn film instead of pixels, I mean, that shutter would open and close on that camera and that film would be exposed to that image and it would burn onto that film. But you couldn't get it out and say, "Well, look at there, look at that picture. Um, Where? Dark room. Where? Yeah. Darker. Yeah. I feel like telling y'all, you're still on the we're still on the verge of something big. Amen, amen. It amen. may look dark that that just means God's developing you. Like a picture, but brother Blanton, it's so hard. You know, the 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 Russians were pioneers in longevity in space, and and so they, they found out that when a man or woman stayed up in their space station for a long period of time, that they lost so much of their muscle mass and their bones shrunk, and you know they developed a suit called the penguin suit, and they it was it was. You know, it was regulations that when they was in that space station, they had to wear the penguin suit so many hours a day. And what was what was different about the penguin suit? You know, out of space there's no resistance. There's, that's what people want. I mean, you know, you're brushing your teeth. And where do I put it? We'll just set it right there in the air. And it's right there. It is. Glory to God. It'll be there when you come back. Glory to God. I mean, you're gonna go over here just just sort of. Push off and slide over there, the other part of the room. That's right. No resistance. I mean, it'd be real easy to pick up that fork. Man, I mean, you know, I've been working on it, but it'd be real easy in space to pick that fork up. But they found out they was losing their muscle. They was losing their bone structure. So they put this, they put this penguin suit on them that has built-in resistance. Every way they would bend and move, there was built-in resistance in that suit. Glory to God. You say, well, I think we ought to have free sailing. I think, well, let me tell you the reason why you may feel like you're going against the grain, because God is developing you. God wants to use you. Somebody lift a hand to heaven and pray, I gotta hurry, I know I gotta hurry. I realize I gotta hurry. Well, amen, this woman, she was, uh, the preacher asked her, the prophet asked her to get me some water, well, it's a rare thing. It hadn't rained in quite a while give me some water. She's going, well, before you do that, go ahead and give me something to eat. Make me make me a cake. Oh, that's one thing I can't do. God knows I can't do that now, prophet, because I just got just a a little bit of oil in the cruise. I just got a handful of meal in the barrel, and I was planning on making, I'm getting these sticks. That's the reason I'm picking up these sticks. I'm making my last supper, and me and my boy is going to die. Now, right then, the prophet realized this situation had, as bad as I thought it's worse not only is she a poor widow woman but she's got another mouth that is dependent upon her to feed and so it ain't as bad as I thought it's worse but then the Holy Ghost came on him the power of God came on him I can tell it did because he said thus saith the Lord hey, amen that that oil will not fail the barrel will not go empty until the Lord sendeth rain will somebody say Amen. If I got my calculations right, there was a year into this famine, and for two more years, he, this widow woman, and her household ate. <laughs> now, you know, it could have been that when she went back in there, that cruise of oil was spilled out, the oil was spilled out on the table. She looked over that mill barrel and the, the you know, wicker basket probably and, and probably the, the top was popped off and there was meal everywhere. And I don't think that's how it was. I think it was just like she'd seen it before. And she went in there with a little scoop and she reached out and heard a But she brought up enough for another cake. <laughs> she'd go over there to pull the oil. Hey, man, I can't even see any in there—just a little residue. But it was always just enough. Glory to God! And the next time she would go, she reach down there. But it's always just enough. For two years, I said, for two years, it was always just enough. I feel the Holy Ghost. I said, I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel we'll. I feel the Holy Ghost. Glory to God, hallelujah. I feel my. foot of your Woo, are you scraping the bottom of the barrel? He want want you praise God? He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. Let's stand all over the building and give the Lord a praise. Y'all know Scotty Grooms. If you ever met him, you'll never forget him. I'm closing. Somebody come. Could you sing that song again? Could y'all sing Yeah. But uh, but Scotty Grooms, years ago, had a storefront church in Vanceburg, Kentucky. And uh, they're in a new building now. And another fellow's pastoring there. And I preached a couple revivals for this other fellow. But years ago, this storefront building, it looked like it was about to fall in on top of you. And uh, people come gathering in. I scheduled for a week revival. They wouldn't dress very well. I mean, you know, their clothes weren't expensive. They were clean, but probably the best they had, poor people, came in. And, uh, and I thought to myself, and it was OK with me. It was, I was all right with it. Well, this is, you know, I'm not going to get very much in the offering this week. but I'd seen the Lord move so many times. I'd preach places like that, get a $10 offering, average five and 10 dollars a night, and the next week, man, where is it coming from? Tomorrow. Or I've been places and hardly got nothing but it seemed like everything went farther. I'd like to really have known what the mileage was on that diesel that week because it seemed like it just went on and on and on and on. Well, so I thought, here we are, you know. Brother Grooms, bless his heart, I'm glad to be here and help him. We had a good meeting. Preached all week there. And at the end of the week, they handed me the offering. I counted it. Now, this is 25 years ago. And this may not be a lot of money to you, of the TV, but it was over seventeen hundred dollars. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, don't you get that idea? I'm not. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, I'm telling you, why, Brother Blanton? We just can't do much. I tell you, there is just enough right here to have the greatest move of God that this world has ever seen. Are you hearing me? Yes. Huh? Lord. This old lady here, she called herself old. I can't go like I, I said Moses did his greatest work when he was over 80. Yes. Are yes. you hearing Hallelujah. me? Huh? Hallelujah. Glory to God. We just gotta trust him. We may hear that telltale sign of the scraping of the bottom of the barrel, woo! Glory to God! But we need to tell the devil sticks and stones may break my bones, but sounds from the bottom of the barrel will never hurt me. Glory to God! Woo! God. It may not sound right, but God's gonna make it right, and God's gonna fix it. I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm just, I just—I may not have preached very good, but I felt good. I felt the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, if you're scraping the bottom of the barrel I want to encourage you lift up your head I said lift up your head I said lift up your head there's gonna be blessing come and God's gonna provide with somebody shall amen I thought about you talking about cancer last night. Two weeks into our marriage, Sister Blanton was diagnosed with cancers all in her lymph nodes, all over her body. The prognosis was bleak. We were teenagers. Barely still in our teens, but teenagers. Two weeks, my bride. She weighed less than 80 pounds. And uh, she was real sick and weak. I can remember them doing all those tests in the hospital. Well, if you had faith, you went and went to the hospital. Shh. 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 I'm not proud we go to the hospital, but sometimes we go, don't we? Yes. But I found out the hospital don't hinder God. <laughs> so he came out and said we need to do a bone marrow uh, biopsy. If anybody's ever been through that, it's pretty. Pretty tough. And uh, they did it. Test results came back. That young doctor talked to this young married guy. He said, Mr. Blanton, we've got a problem. We did this bone marrow biopsy not to confirm she had cancer. We know she has cancer. But to, to see how far it advanced so we'd know how aggressively to attack it with chemotherapy and what kind of treatment we was going to. Incorporate. He said, but the problem is that this bone marrow biopsy doesn't show any cancer whatsoever.